Anderson County, Knox County, Gordon County, Gordon County, at 9.45 p.m. At 9 p.m., National Weather Service Doppler radar indicated a severe thunderstorm capable of producing a tornado five miles northwest of Kingston. Tornado 4 isn't much to talk of. It's touched down at 1.38 a.m. in Buffalo Valley, Tennessee, Putnam County. It lifted less than 10 minutes later at 1.42 a.m. Right at EF0, there was some roof damage, fallen limbs, and some tipped-over porta-potties. Tornado 5 is where things got bad again. In Cookville, Tennessee, a tornado rated a staggering EF4 touches down at 1.48 a.m., a tornado described as both historic and violent. The tornado laid waste to numerous homes, businesses, and anything in its path, near instantly. Trees were pulled from their roots and scattered across the county. Cars pulled and tossed from their parking spots. This tornado caused by far the most destruction. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. What about Seth Wells? What happened to him and his girlfriend, Daniel Theophile, during all of this? Now, most people will tell you, oh, it sounds like a freight train. It sounds like this. No, that's not what this sounded like. Just think about the most lowest, growling, terrifying noise, I guess you could muster up in your imagination, and you have a very small vibration underneath your feet. And I was like, Oh, holy hell. So, as I raced back to the bedroom, now granted, like, you know, this sounds like this took forever, but this is that 30 seconds I'm telling you about, <laughs> you know. So, I run back into the bedroom and said, Daniel, get your ass up. It, we have a tornado coming. And she's like, what? No way. No, Okay. And so, as she's getting out of bed, things are getting a little bit more wilder. Um and uh, I know that I am, I guess, going into more meat and the bones and stuff. And I know I've, got, I've answered your question and I gave you more. <laughs> but if you want me to keep going, I can. Okay. Um, so I, get, I grab her out of the bed and I, I take a moment to think of, like, where, where do we go in this house? It's a small 1,600-square-foot house. It has no basement. It's just siding. It's, a, it's just a traditional stick-built family home. That's, that's all it is. It's, there's nothing else to do. Um, can't drive away from it because it's right there. So, you know, it can't do anything that's, like, racing through my mind. And Daniel's like, let's just go to the spare bathroom in the middle of the house. That's the best that we can do. I'm like, I guess so. So we, by the time we ran to the spare bathroom, um the the house was shaking and there were some popping noises here and there the lights started flickering on and off and then i go to reach for my dog 
and I missed him because he doesn't he didn't really have a tail. He had a nub, <laughs> so I couldn't grab him. But by that point in time, something a window shattered and noise, so I just instinctively shut the door, and then I went to grab my girlfriend's arm as I shoulder dove into the shower, the bathtub. As I grabbed onto her and she came into the tub with me, she was trying to find a position to to hunker down as best she could. Now in the bathroom, with little time left, Seth and Danielle hold on for their life. It's here when everything happens all at once. A few things happen, and it's very quick, but I remember it all. So, again, this is going to sound like this happened over a long period of time, but this is just seconds. Huge pop noise, wind bursting through the house. I heard something that I'll never forget in my life, which is my dog yelping, and it was the shortest, highest pitch yelp you could ever hear. And And it was gone. And then we were saying, you know, Poor Mando, named my dog Mando after the Mandalorian. Uh, and, you know, baby, I love you. I love you too. And then it shook. The house shook a lot. Then there was this weird, like, silence. It only lasted maybe a half second, if that. And then all of a sudden, boom. And just like going through a tunnel with a roller coaster going downhill you get this like in like an elevator you know when the elevator goes up your body sinks down that that feeling that sensation happened and then some tumbling and then loud noises and then another boom and then I'm just staring into the sky with debris all around me and I just, uh, in a moment of daze, I guess, I just kind of was like, okay, I'm here. And I kind of did a systems check. I was checking uh, my stabs. Can I move my my hands, my arms, my my fingers, my toes? Okay. I'm breathing normally. Okay. I don't taste blood. I, I guess I'm fine. And then I look over and my girlfriend's leg is over top of my shoulder and I don't know if it's attached or not. A nightmare brought to life, pulled from their home and into the air by the tornado. Now Seth's girlfriend, Danielle, is on top of him, but he's not sure if she's in one piece. You know, I I don't know. So I started tapping on the leg. I'm like, Danielle, Danielle, are you... Danielle, can you answer me? Danielle. And she finally said something. I was like, okay, okay. So, Danielle, can you explain to me what's wrong with you? She's like, I can't move. I can't do anything. I feel something warm running down my face. I'm like, okay, just stay there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yell for help. I'm going to see what I can do. And I started yelling, but then I realized how fruitless it was because the wind is howling, rain is monsooning, lightning and thunder, even little bits of hail and stuff. I'm like, no one can hear me. I, we're, we're by ourselves right now. I pretended we were by ourselves, which really wasn't far-fetched. Um, so I asked her again, said, you can't move. Can you please try and get up since you're on top of me? She's like, no, I, I can't move at all. 
like, okay, so I can move. Let me get this debris out of here. So I worked up boards and I'm cutting myself on boards and things, getting out from underneath the rubble. And I stand up and I look up and look around and I don't recognize anything. All I have for light is lightning because all of the lights are gone. Everything that was there, street lamps and I mean, everything, just it's complete darkness. And I look around and there's no houses around me. There's no trees around me. There's nothing around me. And I'm just like, holy hell, where did we go? What's, what's even going on right now? Then I look down and I see that there's a wall on top of my, my girlfriend of which luckily it wasn't huge, but it was still a good chunk of wall. So I'm assuming adrenaline still really pumping in my system. Um, I get the wall and I just lift it off top of where I, I throw it as far as I can, as far as just, you know, push it over to the other side. Um, and she is laying face down and I said, Danny, I'm going to help you up. You let me know if you have any pain getting up. She's like, no, I, I can't feel nothing. I, I can get up and stuff. I'm like, okay. I put her arm over my shoulder. I said, I got you. We're going to make it through this. Just stick with me. Okay. She's like, okay. And she's like, I can't see. I can't open my eyes. I'm like, don't worry about that. I can see. We'll get you out of here and we'll get us out of here. I promise. And we, I just start looking around because I'm like, I don't, I don't see anything that's recognizable anymore. Girlfriend free of debris, both up and walking. Things could be worse. Still, it's dark and the neighborhood surrounding them looks post-apocalyptic. You can imagine feeling helpless in such a situation. And then way, way off in the distance, I see flashlights. Don't know how far away they are, but I see them. And I said, okay, Daniel, I got our bearings. Let's go. So we start crawling over broken glass and porcelain and wood and nails and anything else. And I know I cut my feet up a few times here and there. I'm sure she did too. I can't remember. I think she had a gash in the back of her ankle from walking in debris. Um, and I just started calling out to the people. And eventually the flashlight started getting closer and closer. And, and people actually got to us. And we worked our way to one of the few houses that were kind of standing at that point in time and uh, took shelter in it. Uh, once we got in there, our neighbors actually started following. And we were very grateful that our immediate neighbors were fine. Uh, all of them came out of it way better than us as far as that goes. Um, you know, we're, they're, they're trying to find blankets and towels and calling emergency services, but no one's phones are working because of Verizon towers or down in the area. Uh, so as we were sitting there, you know, bleeding, catching hypothermia on a, on a, some stranger's couch and stuff like that with other people who have injuries and things. And in fact, there was a, uh, an African American couple that I actually didn't recognize. They didn't even have, they had definitely accents. So I'm not sure if they were just going through the area or not, but the woman's, uh, top of her leg was flayed down to the bone. Um, I actually covered, yeah, I, I covered that with a towel uh, because I did not want her to see that. She didn't even notice at the time. It wasn't bleeding bad, but I knew something around there would help with just kind of creating a makeshift patch. But even among this stark imagery, 
of destruction and gore. There is some light in the center of this disaster in this story. And um, so, but then we sat down on the couch and then that's when my girlfriend asked me, uh, would you please marry me? I said, of course I will. You know, uh, you know it's just one of those moments where it, you know, we're just at that moment. I, I can't really explain it, I guess, but you know, I'm not going to hesitate to say no, you know? Um, so I said yes to that. Um, you know, I, I did ask her, I said, so what brought this on? She's like, I don't want to die and not ever know what marriage is like. I'm like, you know, I don't blame me there. So, <laughs> After their moment, reality came back into focus. So it took four hours before the rescue teams were able to dig, cut, haul lumber and trees and debris out of the way in order to get to us. Uh, during that time, I did have an opportunity to call my mom. Um, you know, it's about 3 a.m. at this point, and I called her. And I said, I'm alive. Everything's so." I, at this point, okay, as far as I'm alive, but I just went through a tornado. And, of course, she immediately broke down in tears and stuff. And she she made the point to get down here as fast as she could since all my family lives in Michigan. Um, but, you know, re- rescue came out about four hours, and uh, they said, you know, who's most seriously injured? Again, the, the, uh, the black lady had no idea. I said, you need to take her now. And uh, they they lifted the towel that I put over her leg, and she obviously now seeing what was wrong with her leg and started freaking out. But luckily, paramedics were already there. And then we were second to go because we did have the next worst injuries out of everybody. I asked about what injuries the pair received. Um, She had a large friction burn on the left side of her face, where even today she doesn't have any feeling on her left cheek area. Um, they actually thought her skull was caved in at first because of how just it looked. Um, it looked like she just lost her eye and everything else. Like it just, it was messy at first. Um, but it turns out that she just had a very large gash, um, on the, on her forehead, which I proclaimed named it the Harry Potter scar. Uh, you know, the girl who lived, <laughs> um, but, uh, really, you know, she has some permanent scarring on her back and sides and, and some other places just like myself. Um, but no broken bones, no, nothing, nothing that was like critically, a critically injured, you know, an injury of something like that. Uh, really I came out worse because it turned out that I actually had a fractured rib on my number six rib on, uh, in the back of my rib. Um, but uh, I didn't notice that until two weeks afterwards when uh, I just I kept feeling pain in my back. And I'm like, I need to get this checked out. I'm like, oh, yeah, you got a broken rib. How'd you get that? I'm like, eh, probably a tornado. <laughs> I asked where Seth and Danielle were thrown by the tornado. Yeah, um, so the description is as... Uh, as we actually were able to pay, uh, piece this together through our own investigation, along with uh, the help of CBS News and stuff of that nature, because we wanted to all get a grasp of this, uh, and that was right after our hospital release. So when I got up out of the debris, I did take mental notes of some things that I was surrounded with. 
One, of course, being a toilet that was actually still intact. Um, I was right next to a toilet. I uh, got up from that debris, and, you know, I, I knew what to look for. So when we got out of the hospital and went back to the property, there was a few things that I noticed. And, in fact, you could probably see them on pictures um, if you look at the house or the area from the top down. There's two skip marks in the backyard where the house actually skipped like a rock over the water before it actually went completely airborne. So you have a one large gouge to begin with because the house came off the foundation and it lifted up a little bit. Then there was another smaller gouge right after that one and then nothing. There's no debris between that last skid mark and the tree line that was at the very edge of our property on the back of our half acre property. And then the house hit the tree line. Part of the house smushed up against it. And then the other part of the house, which we were in, got flung in a arc um, from that location all the way through like three or four neighbors' yards. And um, as far as we were laying, because uh, I found the toilet, <laughs> I was like, right there that's where we are where we were that's the wall i lifted over you there's the toilet and as i'm standing there looking around i'm like where is the tub because that's what we were in the only thing left of that tub was the drain there was a little bit of porcelain like broken around the drain hole and then just a little bit of piping and that was it the rest of the tub and the shower and anything else non-existent so i don't even know if we were in the tub while we were in there i don't know where because you know it's pitch black you just all i could do is tell you that i felt the tumble and roll and i feel like i somersaulted at some point in time but that's all i can give you you know it's it's uh just seeing that there's all there was left is a drain like there ain't no way there's no way that we were in that tub because if so then well i don't think we would have survived that you know, and just like CBS News, uh, I can't remember his name. I think it was David. Uh, you, you, he said, you survived the unsurvivable. You are the only couple that we have ever talked to that has survived this particular scenario. You, you, just, you should not have lived. And we looked at the statistics. It was a one in four and a half million chance that an EF4 tornado would even come and, you know, to our part of the property. Uh, within, I guess, what it was like a 25 mile radius. So it's astronomical odds to begin with. Then, not only did we hit the jackpot lottery with that, <laughs> we hit we hit the lottery on the other end of the spectrum. And based on our house construction and where we were located, we had a 10% chance of survival. And that was it. That if if an EF4 picks up your home and throws you, you have 10% chance. The tornado peaked 175 mile per hour winds. 96 people were injured. 19 were killed. This is the worst tornado on record to hit Putnam County. And that's it for this week. Next episode, we explore the aftermath of the supercell that produced violent, historic tornadoes. Uh, That's kind of the the gist of the story because the rest of it's the aftermath. 
Listener, if you enjoyed our second episode, don't forget to subscribe and please spread the word, whether it be on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or whatever social media you use. A single post sharing the disaster podcast can make a huge difference for our growth. Thank you for listening.